Chapter thirty seven of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter thirty seven. Showing how some of the feuds in Chapel Isid waxed fiercer and others were solemnly condoned by this time little dr toole had stepped into the club after his wont as he passed the phoenix sterk was playing draughts with old arthur slow and dangerfield erect and grim was looking on the game over his shoulder toole and sterk were more distant and cold in their intercourse of late though this formality partook of their respective characters toole used to throw up his nose and raise his eyebrows and make his brother mediciner a particularly stiff and withal scornful reverence when they met sterk on the other hand made a short surly nod twas little more and without a word turned on his heel with a gruff pitch of his shoulder towards toole the fact was these two gentlemen had been very near exchanging pistol shots or sword thrusts only a week or two before and all about the unconscious gentleman who was smiling in his usual pleasant fashion over the back of sterk's chair so dangerfield's little dyspepsy had liked to have cured one or other of the village leeches for ever and a day of the heartache and all other aches that flesh is heir to for dangerfield commenced with toole and that physician on the third day of his instalment found that sterk had slept in and taken his patient bodily out of his hands i've seen one monkey force open the jaws of his brother resolutely introduce his fingers pluck from the sanctuary of his cheek the filbert he had just stowed there for his private nutrition and delight and crunch and eat it with a stern ecstasy of selfishness himself and i fancy that the feelings of the quadrumanous victim his jaws aching his pouch outraged and his bon bosch in the miscreant's mouth a little resembles those of the physician who has suffered so hideous a mortification as that of toole toole quite forgave dangerfield that gentleman gave him to understand that his ministrations were much more to his mind than those of his rival but and this was conveyed in strict confidence this change was put upon him by um uh in fact a nobleman lord castle mallard with whom just now dr sterk can do a great deal and you know i can't quarrel with my lord it has pained me i assure you very much and to say truth whoever applied to him to interfere in the matter was in my mind guilty of an impertinence though as you see i can't resent it whoever applied tis pretty plain repeated toole with a vicious sneer though whispering undermining and as stupid as the hill of hoth i wish you safe out of his hands sir and positively only for aunt becky who was always spoiling this sort of sport and who restrained the gallant toole by a peremptory injunction there would have been in nutter's unfortunate phrase wigs on the green next day 
so these gentlemen met on the terms i've described and nutter's antipathy also had waxed stronger and fiercer and indeed since dangerfield's arrival and stirk's undisguised endeavours to ingratiate himself with lord castle mallard and push him from his stool they had by consent ceased to speak to one another when stirk met nutter he being of superior stature looked over his head at distant objects and when nutter encountered stirk the little gentleman's dark face grew instantaneously darker first a shade then another shadow then the blackness of thunder overspread it and not only did he speak not a word to stirk but seldom opened his lips while that gentleman remained in the room on the other hand if some feuds grew blacker and fiercer by time there were others which were christianly cordoned foremost among which was the mortal quarrel between nutter and o'flaherty on the evening of their memorable meeting on the fifteen acres puddock dined out and o'flaherty was too much exhausted to take any steps toward a better understanding but on the night following when the club had their grand supper in king william's parlor it was arranged with nutter that a gentlemanlike reconciliation was to take place and accordingly about nine o'clock at which time nutter's arrival was expected puddock with the pomp and gravity becoming such an occasion accompanied by o'flaherty big with his speech entered the spacious parlor when they came in there was a chorus of laughter ringing round with a clapping of hands and a babble of hilarious applause and tom tool was seen in the centre sitting upon the floor hugging his knees with his drawn sword under his arm his eyes turned up to the ceiling and a contortion so unspeakably ludicrous upon his queer little face as was very near causing little puddock to explode in an unseemly burst of laughter Devereux, sitting near the door luckily saw them as they entered and announced them in a loud tone lieutenant puddock gentlemen and lieutenant fireworker o'flaherty for though gypsy Devereux loved a bit of mischief he did not relish it when quite so serious as the galwegian fireworker was likely to make any sort of trifling on a point so tender as his recent hostilities on the fifteen acres tool bounded to his feet in an instant adjusting his wig and eyeing the newcomers with intense but uneasy solemnity which produced some suppressed merriment among the company it was well for the serenity of the village that o'flaherty was about to make a little speech a situation which usually deprived him of half his wits still with the suspicion of conscious weakness he read something affecting himself in the general buzz and countenance of the assembly and said to Devereux, on purpose loud enough for tool to hear ensign puddock and myself would be proud to know what was the divarting tomfoolery going on about the floor and for which we arrived unfortunately a little too late tomfoolery sir is an unpleasant word cried the little doctor firing up for he was a gamecock tomfoolery he means interposed Devereux. the pleasantest word on the contrary in chapel is it pray allow me to say a word a degree more serious i'm commissioned lieutenant puddock and lieutenant o'flaherty about to each 
by mr manny who acted the part of second to mr nutter on the recent occasion to pray that you'll be so obliging as to accept his apology for not being present at this as we all hope most agreeable meeting our reverend friend father roach whose guest he had the honour to be can tell you more precisely the urgent nature of the business on which he departed father roach tried to stop the captain with a reproachful glance but that unfeeling officer fairly concluded his sentence notwithstanding with a wave of his hand and a bow to the cleric and sitting down at the same moment left him in possession of the chair the fact was that at an unseemly hour that morning three bailiffs for the excursion was considered hazardous introduced themselves by a stratagem into the reverend father's domicile and nabbed the high-souled patrick manny as he slumbered peacefully in his bed to the terror of the simple maid who let them in honest father roach was for showing fight on behalf of his guest on hearing the row and suspecting its cause for pat had fled from the kingdom of kerry from perils of the same sort his reverence jumped out of bed with a great pound on the floor and not knowing where to look for his clothes in the dark he seized his surplice which always lay in the press at the head of his bed and got into it with miraculous speed whisking along the floor two pounds and a half of mr fogarty's best bacon which the holy man had concealed in the folds of that sacred vestment to elude the predatory instincts of the women and from which he and mr manny were wont to cut their jovial rashers the shutter of poor manny's window was by this time open and the grey light disclosed the grimly form of father roach in his surplice floating threateningly into the chamber but the bailiffs were picked men broad-shouldered and athletic and furnished with active-looking shillelaghs veni vidi victus sum a glance showed him all was lost my blessin on you peg finnegan and was it you let them in murmured his reverence with intense feeling at whose suit inquired the generous outlaw sitting up among the blankets mrs elizabeth woolley relict and administratrix of the late mr timotheus woolley of high street in the city of dublin taylor responded the corragus of the officers woolley i was thinking so said the captive i wished i had her by the wool bad luck to her so away he went to the good-natured ecclesiastic's grief promising nevertheless with a disconsolate affectation of cheerfulness that all should be settled and he under the priest's roof-tree again before night i don't exactly know the nature of the business gentlemen said father roach with considerable hesitation urgent however it was wasn't it said Devereux urgent well certainly uh and at a summons there was no resisting from a lady eh you said so father roach persisted Devereux. ah uh, from a lady a uh, yes certainly replied he a widow 
is not she inquired devereux a widow undoubtedly said the priest fay no more thur said little puddock to the infinite relief of the reverend father who flung another look of reproach at devereux and muttered his indignation to himself i'm perfectly satisfied and so i venture to thay is lieutenant o'flaherty is not he going to say something to nutter inquired devereux yes whispered puddock i hope he'll get through it i-i wrote a few sentences myself but he's by no means perfect in fact between ourselves he's a somewhat slow study suppose you purge his head again puddock puddock did not choose to hear the suggestion but nutter in reply to a complimentary speech from puddock declared in two or three words his readiness to meet lieutenant o'flaherty halfway and curse me sir if i know at this moment what i did or said to offend him then came a magnanimous but nearly unintelligible speech from o'flaherty prompted by little puddock who being responsible for the composition was more nervous during the delivery of that remarkable oration than the speaker himself and suffered indescribably at hearing his periods mangled and had actually to hold o'flaherty by the arm and whisper in an agony not yet curth it not yet to prevent the incorrigible fire-worker from stretching forth his bony red hand before he had arrived at that most effective passage which puttock afterwards gave so well in private for dick devereux beginning and thus i greet thus was there a perfect reconciliation and the gentlemen of the club tool included were more than ever puzzled to understand the origin of the quarrel for puttock kept o'flaherty's secret magnificently and peace prevailed in o'flaherty's breast until nearly ten months afterwards when clough who was talking of the american war asked o'flaherty who was full of volunteering how he would like a clean shave with an indian scalping knife whereupon o'flaherty stood erect and having glowered about him for a moment stood in silence from the room and consulted immediately with puttock on the subject who after a moment's reflection found it no more than chance medley End of chapter thirty seven recording by john brandon